This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Welcome to 2016 and the first episode of this year from the One Verse Podcast. In case you didn't realize, these are getting published on Thursdays now instead of Monday. It was too difficult for me to get them out on Monday, so I moved them back a little bit. Back to Thursdays. That's going to be my new publishing schedule. If you didn't notice, don't worry about it. (laughs) Uh, We'll see changes like that every once in a while. Listen, do you observe the Sabbath? Why or why not? Lots of people struggle with that sort of question, whether we should observe the Sabbath, and if so, how to do it. I mean, on the one hand, for those of us living under grace following Jesus, Sabbath observance seems like a very religious and legalistic thing to do. But on the other hand, as it has likely been pointed out to you, God did set up the Sabbath as an everlasting covenant. That's in Exodus 31.16, did he not? So, if it's an everlasting covenant, why should we be able to do away with it? Can we even do away with it? Should we? Is it a sin to work on the Sabbath? Anyway, we're going to begin to look at that today from Genesis 2, 1 through 3. This is day 7 of the creation week. We will begin to answer those important questions. So, uh, hang around when we look at this important issue of Sabbath day laws and how to keep the Sabbath as a follower of Jesus Christ. Hey, this episode of the One Verse Podcast is brought to you by Theology.fm. It's another podcast of mine where I share with you some of the pastors, theologians, and podcasters who have been influential in my life. You can find Theology.fm on iTunes or uh, just go to Theology.fm. It's sort of an online, on-demand theology, Bible study, radio show. Not really radio, but uh, anyway, you'll see. I listen to a lot of podcasts and you can, I, I share some of the best ones that I listen to through those episodes over there at Theology.fm. So go subscribe. Find them on iTunes. Just search for Theology.fm or whatever way you use to listen to your podcasts. You can find them that way also. I think. If they're not on your favorite app, just let me know and I'll try and add it. Now with that in mind, uh, let's get into our study today of uh, Genesis 2, 1 through 3 and day 7 of the creation week. Unless you're brand new to Christianity or maybe... Maybe you've been living under a rock for most of your life. You probably know that many forms of Christianity have numerous traditions, rules, regulations about what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath. When I was growing up, uh, I thought that the Sabbath was on a Sunday. Sort of that is a common view in many churches. And I clearly remember that when I applied for my very first job... Yeah, I got a job you know, flipping hamburgers at Wendy's. I told the manager who, who interviewed me that I couldn't work on Sundays, you know, because I'm a Christian. Uh, they hired me anyway. They said, oh, yeah, sure, we can work with that. I remember, though, after about a month of working there, the manager scheduled me to work on a Sunday. So I was torn. On the one hand, uh, I wanted to be responsible. I wanted to be a good employee. 
I wanted to work the schedule that I was assigned to work. But on the other hand, I did not want to violate God's command to observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. Uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted to obey God, but I also wanted to keep my job. So I went and talked to the manager and reminded him, hey, you know, remember when I was interviewed, uh, I said I couldn't work on Sundays. Well, you have scheduled me to work on Sundays. And so uh, what should I do? And he said, well, see if you can switch your shift with somebody else. They were willing to work with me on that. So I, I asked around and found someone who was able to switch shifts with me. No problem. Well, uh, this continued to happen a few more times. He just continued to schedule me on Sundays, and I continued to just try to find people to switch my shifts. But one week, I was unable to find anyone to switch my shifts with, so uh, I had to decide, am I going to go to work, or am I going to go to church? I remember talking with my parents. My father was a pastor at the time, and uh, they told me that, look, as long as I didn't make a habit out of it, it would be okay. They, they figured it would be okay for me to work every once in a while on Sunday. So uh, I worked that Sunday. Remember, I went to church, and then I slipped out about halfway through the service. I felt so guilty, leaving uh, right before the sermon started. Uh, but I went to work. Uh, and I, I do remember feeling a lit, little bit guilty for violating the Sabbath. Eventually, I became a pastor. Well, I always thought it was ironic as a pastor that my busiest and most exhausting day of the week was Sunday, uh, when, when many pastors said that you couldn't work. Well, that was the day that uh, was most exhausting for me. It was the day I worked the hardest. Uh, of course, somewhere along the way, and you might be realizing this as well, somewhere along the way I realized that Sunday was not the Sabbath at all. And that's sort of how I justified it, partly in my own mind. Uh, Saturday is the Sabbath. That's the biblical, biblical Sabbath. Uh, it Actually, it starts on Friday night, Friday sundown, and goes to Saturday night at sundown. And again, uh, lots of people realize that, and so different religious people, even among Christianity, they have different rules about what they can and cannot do on the Sabbath. In fact, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Chariots of Fire or maybe read the book. You recall that the uh, main character there, Eric Little, this Olympic sprinter, uh, he refused to run one of his Olympic races on Sunday, one that he was for sure going to win. He would get a gold medal in it, but he refused to run because he did not want to compete on the Sabbath. And it was, uh, ironically, he could have run because the race was on Sunday, not on Saturday, which, so his race was not on the Sabbath at all. But uh, that, you know, this, you, you, see, you see similar things today from different people and how they try to practice the Sabbath, observe the Sabbath, obey the Sabbath, and and. Uh, different religious groups have different rules. Some some religious groups go to church, attend church on Saturday. There's some religious groups who refuse to do anything on Saturday or on Sunday, depending on their view, uh, that might be considered work. Uh, you know, even it's extreme in some groups among, you know, they can't light a fire or even light a match. They can't ignite their stove. Some groups won't even turn on a light bulb on uh, whatever day they think is the Sabbath. They can't uh, carry a burden. They can't go on a hike or go on a long walk uh, of a certain distance. They can't, you know, cook any food. Uh, and, and so there's these different rules and regulations. And uh, all of them, to be honest, these rules and regulations can become quite burdensome. Uh, it sometimes, ironically, becomes a lot of work to not work on the Sabbath. In fact, a while back, I preached a couple sermons on this very topic. I showed how Jesus came to liberate and free people from how they had made the Sabbath too much work, you know, too difficult to observe. 
Uh, that's in the first 11 verses of Luke chapter 6. I'll link to those in the show notes if you want to go read those sermons on that that I preached. Uh, that was about 10 or 15 years ago now, I guess. Uh, Jesus came to bring sanity back to the Sabbath, and so uh, I preached uh, sort of how Jesus taught that. And uh, the point I, I taught back then is very similar to the point I'm going to be teaching here from uh, Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Uh, in fact, to make that point, the point that Jesus made and the point that I want to make here, I purposefully waited to begin studying for this podcast episode until after the Sabbath had begun. I waited until after sundown on Friday, January 1st, 2016, to begin studying Genesis 2, 1 through 3 for this week's podcast. Um, I thought I would, I thought I'd start off the new year right by purposefully working on the Sabbath. And now why did I do that? Why did I purposefully do work on the Sabbath? I did it as an illustration of of what this text is actually teaching. I purposefully worked on the Sabbath as a fulfillment of the Sabbath. Yeah, you heard me right. I purposefully worked on the Sabbath as a fulfillment of the Sabbath. Are you confused? Yeah, we're going to see that Genesis 2, 1 through 3 is not teaching about the cessation of work, about ceasing all work but is teaching something else entirely. So, uh, to see that, let's just dive right in and begin looking at Genesis 2.1. Genesis 2.1 says this, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. All right, so uh, the seventh day of creation begins very similar to the first day of creation with the mention of heavens and earth. Uh, That's that's in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so now day seven talks about the heavens and the earth, sort of uh, it's showing uh, the bookends here, the beginning and the end. And this is uh, this is how day seven begins. Uh, Genesis 2.1 also uses these ter- this term, all the host of them. There's a little bit of discussion and commentaries and so on on what that is referring to. Some scholars think it refers to angels. Some think it refers to the stars, you know, uh, heavens and the earth, all the stars. Um, in my opinion, I think that uh, it seems best in context to think of this as referring to everything God created during the creation week. So uh, other scholars agree with that view as well. Then Genesis 2, 2 through 3 says this, and it goes on to say this. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. And that's how the creation week ends, at the end of Genesis 2-3 there. So uh, note, first of all, there's no statement in these verses which conclude the seventh day. You know, all, all the other six days, at the end of them, we have this sort of formulaic statement Moses writes, uh, which says, you know, it was evening and it was morning the first day. It was evening and it was morning the second day, and so on. But we don't have that for this seventh day. And many scholars believe that was intentional. Uh, and uh, the, the reason for that is because the seventh day has no end. It's uh, envisioned as a perpetual day. Day seven is never concluded. Um The seventh day is ongoing, and this is quite significant, as we are going to see later on. 
Uh, it's important to note as well that when these verses talk about God ending the work which he has done and that he has made, the normal word for the creative activity of God, it's the Hebrew word bara, is not used. Instead, it's very curious, Moses uses the word malaka. It's a different Hebrew word. And usually, in fact, everywhere else this word is used in the Bible, it refers to human work. So it's surprising that Moses uses this this word, which is used for human work, to refer to the work that God himself has performed. And why does Moses do that? I think this is partly because the work that God performed is now becoming the work that humans perform. We've talked about all, all this. The things that God did in Genesis chapter 1 are the same things that he now assigns for humans to perform. And we talked about that a lot in previous episodes. Now, I do want to point out, though, that even the work that God himself performed, uh, the work that is usually sort of reserved for God alone, such as this word bara, which we, we have back in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created. Uh, it's used a, a lot of times throughout Genesis 1. People, you know, we can't say that that work has been finished either. It's the word bara is used frequently of God later on in Scripture, over and over and over. So even that that work of God, the work that God has done here, even that work is not done, isn't finished, isn't complete, because God does it elsewhere. So basically, whether we're talking about human work or divine work or whatever, whatever Genesis 2, 1 through 3 is telling us about how God rested from his work, it is not saying that God never worked again. Whatever it means for God to rest from his work, it doesn't mean that he ceased from all creative activity forever. In fact, you may recall uh, even later on, uh, during a Sabbath day controversy, during the life of Jesus, he performs some miracles on the Sabbath and people get upset at him. And what does Jesus say? He says, basically, look, I can only do what I see the Father doing. And my Father has been working even up to this very day. That's John 5, 17. And what was that very day? It was the Sabbath day. So even Jesus was saying, hey, today's the Sabbath and God is working today. Even God is at work today. God worked on the Sabbath. Hmm. Interesting. We're going to see a lot more about that later on. Uh, But before we get to that, you may have noticed, uh, as I read those verses before, Genesis uh, 2, verses 2 and 3, you might have noticed that they were very repetitive. In fact, there's really uh, one statement in those verses which is repeated three times. It says, On the seventh day God ended the work which he has done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Okay, so we have this statement repeated basically three times. And the one statement that is different, it comes between the second and third repetition, is that God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. All right, so because this statement is different, it's sort of the emphasis. The other three repeated statements really sort of point to this as the emphasis of the the seventh day. And uh, the emphasis then is on God blessing and sanctifying that seventh day. Uh, And this is the first thing in Scripture that is sanctified. Uh, And day seven is the only day of all seven that is blessed. Okay, so uh, now I'll talk more about this sanctification and and blessing of day seven in a bit. But let me first comment on the phrase, the seventh day. Uh, A lot of people think that this is the word for Sabbath, and it isn't. It actually isn't. 
the formal word for Sabbath day in Hebrew isn't actually used here. Now, the root is, which is seventh, uh, Sabbath is sort of uh, a, a, a special word, Hebrew word, which is referring sort of to the seventh day, but the formal word for Sabbath isn't used. Instead, it's the root word for seventh day. And uh, if Moses had wanted to institute the Sabbath observance here, then the question is, why didn't he formally name the Sabbath? Uh, Many scholars suggest that this is because in the Babylonian religion, remember Moses is writing a theological polemic against some of the religions of his day. And in the Babylonian religion, the 15th day of every month was considered holy because this, this was the day of the full moon. And in their language, they called this day Shapatu, or in Hebrew, it would be Sabbath, uh, the formal word for Sabbath. So a lot of scholars think that Moses is refraining from using the formal word here, just as he refrained from using the formal terms for the sea, yamim, or yam, I'm sorry, he used the word yamim, seas, plural, rather than yam in 120, because there was a Babylonian deity or a Canaanite deity named Yom for the sea. And then uh, also, uh, rather than referring to the sun and the moon in 116, he just referred to the lesser light and the greater light. Uh, We talked about all that in those those episodes. So, same thing here. Rather than use the word Sabbath, the formal word, because this was a word in the Babylonian religion, which referred to the holy day of the 15th day of the month because of the full moon, Uh, Moses just talks about the seventh day instead. But uh, aside from that, I think there is another reason Moses refrains from using the normal word for Sabbath here in Genesis 2. The formal word for Sabbath isn't actually instituted by God until Exodus 16 and Exodus 20, when God ordains the seventh day as a day of rest. Uh, Here in Genesis 2, The formal word for Sabbath rest, the Sabbath day, is not used because the rest of God on the seventh day is not a Sabbath rest. It's something else entirely. Now, so what is it? That's our question. And again, uh, we need to remember that Moses is writing this theological polemic. See that here as well. Day seven is also polemical against these other religions. Um... Now, first of all, though, you need to understand these other religions did not have a day of rest. This this sort of day of rest that get instituted by God to the Israelites later on, this Sabbath rest, was unique to Israel. However, uh, other religions did have something sort of similar. The Egyptian creation accounts do talk about the creator gods resting after creation is finished. Remember, the only reason they created humans was because they were doing too much work. The, the gods were, and they got tired of it, so they created humans to do all the work for them. And uh, when they did that, it said now the gods were able to rest from their work because they had humans to do it. Um, The thing is, uh, in the Egyptian creation account, the rest of the gods happens every night. Uh, Creation in the Egyptian accounts only takes one day rather than seven. And so every night the gods rest at night. Sort of, I suppose, how humans sleep at night uh, after a day of work. But uh, beyond that, with, with this idea that the gods created humans to do all the work for them, uh, we sort of see that idea here. And I've been talking, talking about it as we go through. The God, God's actions 
his, his seven activities in Genesis 1 are similar to the activities that God then assigns to humans. And so, in a way, God gives his work to humans, and then uh, God rests. We saw this in Genesis 1, 28-30. He gives them these three activities, gives humans these three activities to carry out. Uh, and then, after God gives, him, gives mankind these activities, then God rests here in Genesis 2. But the thing is, is this is very different from what we see in these other religions. God does not rest so that only humans can do the work. No, what we actually see is that God rests and then invites humans into this rest with him. And this is very different from what we see in, in other religions. God didn't just create us so that he could rest and we do all the work. No, God created humans to join him in his work and also join him in his rest. So, uh, following right after the creation of mankind, it's, it's clear why God can rest. Uh, uh, you know, someone else is doing his work, but he is joining us in our work. Or actually, we are joining him in his work, which also means we can join him in his rest. Scholars also point out that in some Mesopotamian religions, uh, the 7th, 14th, 21st, and 28th days, you might recognize those are all multiples of seven, uh, of the month are considered to be unlucky. Did you know that? Yeah. Uh, the seventh, Every seventh day was considered to be unlucky. So basically, by instituting every seventh day here, as Moses does, as holy and blessed, Moses is counteracting that idea and basically saying there's no such thing as an unlucky day. In fact, the day you think is unlucky is actually the day God blessed and sanctified. So it would be like today if, if some pastor came out and said that Friday the 13th is the most blessed and holy day of the year. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say, what? Friday the 13th? No, that's an unlucky day. Well, that's what Moses is doing here. Some Mesopotamian religions thought that every seventh day was unlucky. And Moses is saying, no, this is the blessed, blessed day of the week. This is the sanctified day. This is the holy day. All right, so all of this makes day seven polemical against the religions of the de that day. However, we still haven't seen the most significant challenge to these other religions, uh, which also, as it turns out, is the most s significant challenge to many forms of Christianity today, uh, and is also the most important truth from day seven. And we can begin to discover the significant truth by asking why the creation week ends as it does. Uh, I mean, have you ever even asked yourself this question? Why does Moses include a day of rest at the end of six days of creative work? Uh, probably if you're like me, you've never even asked the question. You know, traditional Christian understanding of this account is uh, that Moses is recording in this historical record how the universe was created. And so all he's doing is recording that on the seventh day, after everything was created, God rested. And this gives sort of a theological reason for the Sabbath day rest that Moses then institutes later in Exodus 16, in Exodus 20. But step back and sort of look at this with new eyes. I mean, did God need to rest? No, of course not. So why even is there a day of rest? And we, In fact, we've said before that the pinnacle of the creation account here in Genesis is the creation of mankind. So, 
you know, once mankind is created and sort of commanded to continue his work, why even tack on this seventh day on the end? What's the point? Or if mankind was going to be the pinnacle of creation event, why not put him on the seventh day? I mean, if day six is the pinnacle and climax, then what does this mean for day seven? Why is it even there? Uh, It sort of seems to serve little purpose other than maybe to justify God's command later on that, hey, you should take a day of rest because I did after creation. And for that matter, why does God need to sort of give us an example to follow? I mean, examples help for sure, but there's lots of commands in Scripture where God just says, do this because I'm God and you're human and, and it's my commandment, so do it. He doesn't really need to do the example the way we have here in Genesis uh, the seventh day in Genesis 2. Uh, and, and of course, he didn't get tired or worn out. It wasn't that rest was necessary. He didn't need a day of rejuvenation, relaxation. Anyway, these are sorts of the questions that begin to direct you in a completely different idea about what is going on here in the seventh day of creation. Um, God obviously did not get tired. Therefore, he did not need to rest from work. And If God wanted us to take a rest from our work, fine, Um, but he didn't necessarily, an example is good, but he didn't necessarily need to give us an example. Anyway, the bottom line is something else is going on in day seven. We are missing something significant about day seven. And do you want to know what it is? Well, I hate to do this to you. No, I don't. (laughs) But the answer to all these questions is going to have to wait until next week. Ah, I know. Uh, Listen, it's so important. I'm looking at my timer here. Too much time has already gone by. Uh, I can't rush through it. It's so critical that I'm going to have to spend an entire podcast episode explaining why God rested on the seventh day and why that is significant for us in our life and why that means I waited until the first Sabbath of 2016 to do the work of studying and writing this podcast episode. So, uh, look, uh, you must join me because we will see that the real purpose, we're going to see what the real purpose of the seventh day is and how to really, truly observe the Sabbath. If you join me for that episode, you will learn how to be liberated from the religious shackles of Sabbath day keeping. If you're under some sort of rules, laws, legalistic ideas, interpretations, what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath, you must absolutely join me for that podcast episode when we find true meaning, true freedom in observing the Sabbath as God himself observes it. Yes, that is a present tense verb there. As God himself observes it. We're going to see what Jesus meant in John 5, 17, saying that, He works because his Father has been working until now. We're going to see that the true Sabbath observance is pretty much the opposite of how most religious groups teach how to observe the Sabbath. So if you observe the Sabbath or you're thinking about observing the Sabbath or maybe you face some guilt, fear, and shame about how you observe the Sabbath, listen, you don't want to miss that episode. In fact, neither do your Christian friends. If you know somebody... They're in shackles of religious rule-keeping regarding the Sabbath. Invite them to join you to listen to this episode and that episode to get a new perspective on what it means to observe the Sabbath, what it means for God to observe the Sabbath, 
and how we can move forward joining God in His observance of the Sabbath that has never ended. So between now and then, invite them to, them to subscribe to this podcast, listen to this episode, uh, and join you in conversation about what the Sabbath is and how to keep it. And if you haven't done so already, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review on iTunes. All you need to do is go to iTunes, find my podcast, the One Verse Podcast, then click the ratings and reviews link, and you can leave your uh, rating of one, two, three, four, or five stars, and then write a short review down below. This uh, not only is an encouragement to me, but it helps iTunes the program, know that people are learning and appreciating and enjoying this podcast, and so they then are able to recommend it to others who are searching for Bible study podcasts and theology podcasts. So uh, if you leave that rating and review, it helps them recommend it to other people who then can learn from this podcast as well. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you next time when we study Genesis 2, 1, 2, 3, and see how to really join God in observing the Sabbath.